Hello and welcome to 1111 with me, Kirsty Olive. In this episode, I chat to the wonderful Lena about authentic relationship building and how the external relationships that we have are directly influenced and a direct reflection of the quality of our internal relationship with ourselves. We also dive deep into communication, some positive ways to communicate what that really means, and also some of the poor ways that we in society have been taught or shown how to communicate and how this affects how this affects our current relationships and current society. It's a really interesting episode. It's great to be able to bounce off Lena and for us to really dive deep into some of these topics and to explore them from both of our understandings. And I know that you'll get so much value from this. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. So welcome Lena and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation for everybody who is listening. I know that you're going to really get so much out of this. I think that it's something that a lot of the women in my audience would really respond to. So with that being said, Lena, do you want to introduce a little bit about yourself and what it is that we're going to be just talking about, what it is that you do? Yeah. Thank you for inviting me here. I'm also very excited about our conversation. Um, authentic relating is the topic I'm very passionate about now. Just to, to, to give a bit of background about myself. Um, so I'm originally from Russia. I'm living abroad for the last uh, 10 years almost. So I've been studying in the UK, then now I'm living in the Netherlands. Last 15 years of my life have uh, been full with uh, finance. So I've been working in corporate finance. Did my PhD in finance. Um, so I was really heavily invested. And then after my daughter was born, um, I started really turning my life around to see what is it that I really want. And um, I'm now getting my accreditation in transformative coaching and I'm already coaching people. And yeah, I'm starting writing my book. Um, I'm very passionate about communications and yeah, I think we, I mean, we can touch on it uh, later on, but I think there is a lot of <clears throat> one-sided way to look at communication nowadays. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about this. So I already have lots of things in my head that I want to chat about. Um, so maybe let's just start at the beginning. So first of yeah. all, authentic relating. Like this is something that I'm really passionate about myself. And it's something that really, really interests me is how our relationships with others are really shaped by the relationship that we have with ourselves mm. and this is something that kind of I've always been like aware of myself and then as I kind of grew up and got into this space and working with women and even just my own self-development really noticing that like everything that was being reflected in my relationships 
could be resolved by you know the the experience or getting to know myself better getting to understand who I was what I want and stuff like that so when we when you mentioned and um, before the the podcast when we were kind of arranging this authentic relation relating and relationship with self straight away I was like yes let's talk more about this so how is it that you know how did you get into this kind of space or this awareness of authentic relationships yeah so I think uh, for me it really started when um, I gave birth to my daughter and then you know my life before has been very very busy and I think a lot of people can relate to it when you are so busy with everyday stuff that you kind of lose the contact with, is it still important? Like, yeah, I wanted to have this career and I wanted to have this promotion, I don't know, two years ago. Is it still valid for me right now? Is it still relevant? Like you are so caught up in everyday things that you don't have much time to sit and think about it. And then... When I, when I got my daughter, of course, I had period when I was staying at home. And uh, yeah, so here there are also other things coming in play when also when you decide to have babies, you are kind of, if we look at the muscle pyramid of the needs, you are on top where you think, oh, life is already so good. I just want to share my wisdom and take care of another little one. And then what happens uh, you get a baby and then you go straight to the basic level of the needs where all you want is just sleep and maybe occasionally go to shower and stuff like this. And then and then you start thinking, when I'm ever going to get back on this pyramid? And then the whole needs that are in your life, at least for me, that haven't, I started reassessing, like when I will go to this pyramid, is that where I want to be? Like, do I want to go back to the same state where I've been before? Or I want to do something else? Yeah, wow. What's really interesting as well about what you've just said is that from your situation, you're talking about that happened, like you came back down to the base of this pyramid when you had a baby. But straight away when you were describing that, I recognized from my own experience about when I was suffering with like my mental health or suffering with my physical health issues. So I remember when I was, you know, going through my complex post-traumatic stress disorder, that everything else, like the whole self-development and relationships, everything else was just gone. It was, it was not important. And the only thing that was important in my life was get out of bed, put some clothes on, go to work to pay the bills, you know? So it was this very kind of basic, primal, just trying to survive, yeah? And it's interesting how, like you said, in your situation, it was having a baby brought you to that space. For me, it was suffering with my mental health. And then again, when I was when I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease, the same thing happened. It was like just getting through each moment and I'm sure from the women who are listening, there's a lot of different experiences that can really like shake up your, your world and your current experience and kind of bring you back to that base of like, I just need to get through the day right now. Exactly. And for someone 
<clears throat> it can be not the personal, ex- I mean, in a way it's still personal experience, but I have a friend whose friend died. And that was a moment for her when she really started thinking about what's happening in life and what she wants to do with her life. Or it's, I don't know, friend got burned out. So there are a lot of, um, how you said, a lot of events or situations that can trigger. Yeah, for everyone, it's it's very personal and every yeah, very different. Yeah. And so how did you, from this experience, like how did you go from there? So at this point, you're kind of just getting your basic needs met needs met trying to get through the day so like where did you go from there yeah so I stayed in this state for some time Um, and it was so not me so like usually in life I'm very positive optimistic and well it was a year that for myself I call it a dark year of my life I think also what can happen when we have like bad or traumatic experiences, of course, we want to jump out of it very quickly. And I think it's very important to see this experience, not as something bad happening to us, but as signal coming to us from our being. What's happening right now? What values are triggered that I'm not feeling the way I want to feel? Like maybe there is something I want to look deeper. Maybe there is is something that is not going the way I want it right now. So for me, when I start really... So I think it's very important to stay a bit in the situation. Not get consumed by it, but stay and accept it. And I think for me, it start being, started being clear that, okay, I'm not get, So one of my main values is to make an impact or being able to elevate people. And I did feel it for quite long time at work, but like last three years, I've been very disconnected from it. And yeah, that's my body was sending me and my brain sending me a signal that I'm not living in line with what is really important for me and then yeah go ahead yeah yeah and then at some point it's important so i knew i don't want to stay in this anymore so i was ready to move on i think also another another thing you don't need to do everything on your own it's okay to ask for help And I asked the help of my partner and I also wanted to go and do some therapy about it. Mm. And yeah, very slowly, it really kind of helped me to redesign my life. I really just want to hone in on something that you said there, because I just think it's such an important like golden nugget that everybody needs to, to recognize and know is that you said, listen to my body and to to look at what this experience is telling me like what is it that I need in this moment what needs to change or what is happening to me that is not aligned with myself and my values because so often we have been 
you know, just because of the way society and the world is, we've been kind of brought up in this way to look outside of ourselves and to um, maybe disconnect from ourselves. Yeah. So I remember, for example, when I was going through these experiences and going to the doctors and I was kind of like screaming out of like, I've experienced something like really deeply traumatic yet. Like, you know, this, this is what this experience is about. Like I am traumatized. Like, and I remember just kind of being told like, oh, well, you've got a chemical imbalance. So, oh, why don't you try this? And I'm not saying anything against mm. those, those methods or medications or anything. But for me personally, I felt deep down that this isn't this isn't right like they're not listening to what I'm trying to say here like I need somebody to hear that like this is what I've experienced and so I went and I found kind of different methods or ways to work with that but it's just interesting how often the default is like somebody else to tell us like oh just do this or oh just do this rather than to add, like look at our lives and say like well what has happened to get me to this point like what has happened in order for me to feel this way and what needs to change in my life in order for me to get out of it because there's a really great saying of like you can't heal in the same environment that you got sick in yeah and I just think that if all of the women listening to this anybody who's maybe in that situation right now um, again, like I used to work in a corporate environment and I really burnt myself out. Yeah, like it was, uh, I ran myself into the ground. I was the like, yes, no problem. Yes, no problem. I'll do everything. And it was kind of a similar situation in there and that I wasn't listening to what I needed. I wasn't listening to what my body was telling me. So when I was getting screaming migraines or feeling run down, I was just taking painkillers and trying to power through rather than asking myself, okay, why is this happening? What is not working for me? And how do I change it? And it sounds that's very similar to like what you were saying is that really about honoring what you need in that moment. And of course, asking for help but from a very like empowered place of this is what I need right now and I'm going to ask for it rather than maybe being like told what to do in that does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely I think um it's really also like the world nowadays is so like stay positive, be positive, then it, it's almost feeling like you do not have any right to feel sad or to experience anger. And it's not true. I mean, we have this huge amount of different feelings and emotions that we can experience. And this kind of false positivity is not helping the issue. Absolutely. Especially one thing that I really, really remember is that when I was kind of first diagnosed with CPTSD and I was 
having a lot of panic attacks and stuff like that was everybody was saying to me like um like you know like about getting better and everybody was saying to me like smile and um it'll be okay and I was kind of feeling at that time like yes I know but right now I'm processing like 23 years worth of trauma right now I don't want to smile right now I don't want to get better I don't want to be happy right now I want to cry like and cry and cry and cry like this just needs to happen like I'm okay with the fact that I'm I'm crying I just need to be supported while I'm processing this rather than needing to be fixed and I think of what you said, you know, when people are trying to kind of, yeah, smile, just, you know, keep, keep it together. I think it's also connected to the fact that we as humans nowadays are not able to create a space for person, for all type of emotions. We are just not capable. Like... What you said, sometimes you just need to cry. Maybe if you cry out loud for 10 minutes, that's all you need, really. Somebody just to be next to you and hold this space. And that's it. Maybe sometimes this person doesn't even need to say anything. You don't need advices right now or any help or any support. Only if the person sits and, <clears throat> I don't know, holds your hand and that's it. But I think that's what, that's difficult for people because people want to like help, fix immediately. And that's coming back to what I said earlier. Sometimes you need to stay in this experience for a while. You need to experience this emotion, accept it. And only then you can move on. Because if it's like, if you jump out of it very quickly, it's not processed. It's still there. And I liked when you said earlier about when you come to doctors and they kind of give you medicines, but there is like, if there is a lot of unprocessed emotions in your body, I don't know. I, I truly believe that there is like, um, uh, how you call it? Well, cause and effect. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, medicine can absolutely help with something but there is also a lot of inner work that can be done to actually make you feel better yeah I like I just personally from my own experience feel like that the world would be such a different place if we could go into the doctors and tell them like okay I'm having a panic I'm having panic attacks or I'm dissociating or I'm scared or I'm, you know, really suffering. And instead of them saying, okay, we'll take this, they said, okay, what happened to you? You know, like, I just feel like that would be such a different experience, you know, because oftentimes, and this isn't just with mental health issues, this is with physical health issues, or just when you're suffering from burnout or, you know, you're having a tough time in life is that often I find we'll end up in the doctor's office. Um, and again, because they're trying to help, they want to fix immediately, which is just human nature. But 
quite often what we need is just to be heard or just to be supported while we figure things out on our own or to feel safe to figure things out on our own. Yeah, exactly. It's really so resonating with me. <clears throat> you know, when I, when now I'm doing coaching and we have the sessions and sometimes I have very little interruption. A person just talks and I'm listening and I'm watching the body language and sometimes I can ask a little question. But there is so much power when you just talk. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I notice the same myself. So when I first started coaching, I one thing that I really, really remembered when I was doing the kind of training for it was just about giving space to like listen don't feel like you have to jump in at every pause or don't feel like you have to ask loads of questions because obviously for those those who are listening maybe don't know kind of the underlying basis of coaching but the underlying basis is that the the client themselves knows deep down exactly what to do and they know the right answers they know what is going to work for them and you are just kind of facilitating and holding space for that process and it was really interesting for me like when I first started coaching that noticing for example when a client is talking and they're sad or excited or frustrated and they're talking and talking and then they stop and then they're like waiting for me to respond or to give advice or to answer. But instead of doing that, if I just sit back and just be silent, they'll often start talking again and they'll come up with more. They'll go a little bit deeper, you know, because they want to fill the silence. And it's interesting how when you actually just give that space to feel maybe a little bit uncomfortable with the silence, it's then like an invitation for them to go deeper. It's then like, I'm not fixing you here. This is, this is a space for you to just discover whatever you want to discover. And if I could maybe prod in a few directions to maybe help you get some clarity, then that's great. But I really find giving just that, that space or that silence or those awkward pauses is one of the most powerful tools available in coaching yeah well i think it's uh, valid you know they say that uh, your tools and techniques techniques should be your last resort not your first one yeah. but you know coming back i really like the point on silence and i think it's actually uncomfortable for both people at first yeah. not only for the for the one who is keeping silence but also like how often in everyday life we have undivided attention of someone where we can just speak without interruption. And I remember when I was doing authentic relating course, you know, there you have kind of created environment. Yes. Yeah? So like we had rules of the game uh, where, okay, when another person is talking, I'm not able to say anything. And it was like, okay, three minutes or five minutes. And I remember how uncomfortable it was at first. Yeah. And just recently, like in other setting, um, I did this exercise with another group of people and then it was 15 minutes and I thought like, 
I was talking for 15 minutes and I felt like I could go for another hour because it's uncomfortable at first, but then when you do it again and again and again, I think this, when a person knows that he's not going to be interrupted, I think that's where the magic happens. Because when you start talking about something, and then I, I just had a very interesting case, which was, so I went for some networking event with the ladies who are developing business. And it happened, there were also several coaches there. And I thought, oh, wow, it's going to be like really cool conversation. And then I start noticing that, so somebody asked me a question and I start answering and then another person interrupted me and how it goes, you know, this type of uh, listening, like listen to reply. Okay, so I hear something and then I uh, like, okay, I went to Italy last uh, week and I just was about to start disp- uh, describing my vacation. And then another person is like, oh, I've been to Italy half a year ago. And then it's becoming the story about him. So I think we all know this setup. And then, of course, you don't, you don't want to go deep when you know that, like, in two minutes you are going to be interrupted. And then so I've been noticing what's happening. And I thought, okay, let me look more. Maybe it's just me. And then I, I saw that it's really, like, it's just happening and happening. And I said, okay, can I share my observation? You know, I just feel like we all came here to make a connection, but instead of making a connection, we are just talking about ourselves. And of course, it's another part of human being because we love talking about ourselves. Our ego is like growing and flourishing. But I think it is so important in everyday communication as well. Yeah, and um, and again, I think, also for me at that moment, you know, I could continue uh, being at that meeting. But then I thought, I actually said it out loud. I said, you know, I'm not feeling comfortable now to stay further. So just enjoy your evening and I'll go spend time with family. And I think that's also what's important because every time when you feel this disconnect inside yourself, like I don't want to be here right now, but you kind of like, yeah, but I also don't want to sound weird. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to like bring it to the space. Yeah. Then I think the more cases like this happens in your life, again, it's all like accumulated inside you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that really comes from, as you said, wanting to appear a certain way, you know, like, oh, I don't want them to think I'm a bitch. Or I don't want them to think that I'm like the awkward one or the fussy one. When in actual fact, like, why should you stay in that space if you feel disconnected and uncomfortable? Like, time is precious. You can better spend that time elsewhere honoring yourself or spending time with your family, you know? So I totally understand that. And I think it's definitely something that, especially as women, that we have this kind of way that we want to be perceived, you know, as like nice and kind and helpful. And so that's often when we'll feel that like friction within ourselves or that discomfort within ourselves of like, 
okay, well, you might be being really helpful or nice right now or not speaking up, but in actual fact, this is, this is not good for you. Like, this is not your truth. This is not aligning with you or your values. And so that uncomfortable feeling is an opportunity to like witness something within yourself and say like, okay, so what needs to change here? What do I need to do in this situation in order for this to change? And sometimes that'll be uncomfortable. Sometimes it'll be a little bit weird. Sometimes it'll be something totally different to what you've ever had to do before. But the more that you can practice that and the more that you can kind of make those decisions, the less of that internal friction or discomfort you'll feel. And I, one thing that you said that really, I, I find this fascinating, okay? So I'm fascinated by communication. I am fascinated by, I remember from a very, very young age. So I was always the quiet one. I didn't speak much at all. I would listen and I would observe, but I was very, very quiet. And I remember from a young age observing a few adults around me having a conversation and I don't know what age I was but I'm guessing around eight to ten and I really clearly remember this moment and I remember looking around at them all and it was as if they were all like shouting over each other and I just remember thinking like what is happening I was like just as a child as well and I was like like I knew that what was happening was this is not productive, this conversation that they're having. And in actual fact, they're, what, instead of what they're trying to do, so they were all trying to prove their own point was correct. But through that, what was happening is that they were all getting further and further and further away from understanding each other rather than getting closer to each other. And so by the end of it, it was, you know, they were all in a bad mood and <laughs> nobody understood each other. And that moment for me really, really like changed the way that, or like shaped, not even changed because I was still so young. So I didn't really have a way, but shaped the way that I wanted to communicate going forward. And I was always very conscious. And of course, like communication is a skill. Listening is a skill. I think people think maybe that it's just something that some people are good at and some aren't, but it's not. It's something that you can become aware of and you can work on and you can learn. But I remember always really wanting to go into a conversation just with curiosity, you know, of like, this could be really interesting rather than I'm right and they're wrong. So I need to explain to them why I'm right, which I noticed, I noticed a lot when I was younger that that is the kind of conversations that were going on by the adults around me. And it still happens now a lot. I still notice it a lot. Um, but now, as you said, I can choose to remove myself from those situations or choose to maybe try and point out that that is what's happening. And then maybe see if we can change the lens to curiosity rather than like shutting each other down because like curiosity brings us closer together. It doesn't mean that by the end of the conversation, we're gonna agree with each other, but we might understand each other. 
Whereas if we're all just trying to prove our own points, it just creates more and more disconnection, creates more and more frustration. Yeah, <clears throat> totally. And I think what you said about communication, it's indeed a skill. And I think this word just got misused so much lately. And the perception in society is communication. Or like when you say, okay, he's a good communicator, you mainly talk about how the person is good with words and how he can engage with other people and how he can bring his message across. But communication is two sides of one story and listening is also there. And if you are not able to listen what another person tells to you, it is not communication. It's just one-sided dialogue or monologue. Think, like just as humans, we have this deep, like very primal want to just be heard and to be understood. And when, we're, when people are having those conversations of like everybody kind of, like the second you stop what you're seeing, somebody jumps in with like their side or what happened to them. Like it makes you feel, or it makes me feel anyway, and I kind of noticed this with clients and groups and stuff, that it makes you feel like they're not even listening to what I'm saying, or maybe they're taking the words that I'm saying, but they don't actually understand me. And so then when it gets to that point, then of course you're going to give up on the conversation. It's why would I, why would I continue this conversation when this person is not really kind of understanding what I'm saying in this moment. It's it's kind of just going round in circles. And I feel like that just, we all have so much to gain from first of all, becoming better listeners, but also from becoming more compassionate speakers, you know? So when it is our turn to speak, like instead of trying to just prove our own point, like asking questions and trying to discover more about like, well, why does this other person think this? Like what could be their point of view or what could have shaped them into this person who has this opposing view to me? And I think that those kind of conversations bring so much intimacy and like, you know, just so much like relationship building you know, rather than the opposite. And I really feel that like when it comes to our personal relationships, professional relationships, just people that we meet, I feel like that a lot of relationship building um, comes around, well, first of all, knowing what we want ourselves and working on ourselves, but also just learning how to actively listen and how to actually communicate more compassionately with the people in our lives. Yeah, I think a lot what you said around <clears throat> communication is, is really, really powerful. I think if we look <clears throat> at layers of communication, so we have the first layer, which is what? You just share the fact and then another person interfere. And I think that's where most conversation stays when you said, you know, and then you don't even feel like you are being heard. So I don't even want it to continue. And then it just stays on this 
level where you say something and then another person says something and then it goes like this and then there is no opportunity to go deep it's just there's on this level then the second level is how so you are not just watching what person saying but how he's saying is there is a disconnect between words and how the person is behaving is there is anything there you can read <clears throat> and i think third level is why and i think you also touched on it that's <clears throat> when you said about talking with compassion that is what is my values that i attach to what i'm saying and that's what you are curious to know about other person not what what he was doing yesterday but why he was doing it what it means for him and i think indeed when you're trying to stay on this level or let's not stay get to this level that's where the conversation starts being enriching and interesting for both people absolutely absolutely and do you know the way that you just described that as well something popped into my head and this is a big topic right now <laughs> so um it's you know it's one that's obviously very sensitive to a lot of a lot of people but one thing that i where this exact thing that we're talking about applies on such a global scale i mean there's a few instances but what really popped into my head was abortion so obviously there's very very strong opinions on both sides of this you know pro or anti-abortion or pro-life or pro-choice and there's obviously a lot of really really strong opinions and what i really notice is that in this space there is definitely a lack of compassion towards the other side on, on both sides, sides, you know, for anybody listening, I'm doing air quotes, you know, sides, because there is no side, but um, it, it definitely appears that way because of the poor communication. And what I notice about this is that both sides, as we've discussed, are trying to prove their point. Whereas, <clears throat> for example, Obviously, the people, for example, from the pro-choice side are saying because they care about women's rights, it's women's bodies, women's rights, women's rights. And what I often think to myself and notice about this, this particular dynamic and conversation is that then the people on the pro-life side, they also care about women's rights. It's just that they see women's rights that, that means something different to them. So to them, women's rights means like a different kind of support for the mother and baby and not allowing this to, the, this to happen. And um, whereas on one side, it means allowing the mother access to abortion. But both sides, air quotes again, aren't having that discussion of, okay, we all actually want the same thing here. It's just that we have a differing opinion on how to get that result. We all want women's rights. It's just that we have a different result on how we have a different process on how we think that should happen. So if we tried to listen to the other side with compassion of, okay, like, what are their values in this? What is it that they want from this? Why is it that they think this should be the case? rather than 
oh, they're a baby killer or, oh, they're absolutely heartless and they don't care about women or, you know, they're far left, they're far right. Like all of these different like phrases and buzzwords and trigger words just create so much disconnection and create this like separation when in actual fact, we're all women, we're all on the same side and we all want rights for women. It's just that there's a lot of very differing opinions on how to get there. But if we could come to this conversation, like, as you said, through that lens of, you know, the first step was like, was it how are they saying it? What are they saying? How are they saying it? What values are they bringing to this? Imagine how much more productive that situation would be. Imagine how much more united we would be. And that's just one that pinged into my head. But I mean, there's so many examples, like really big things that are happening in the world right now, where if we came to it with that kind of style of listening and that style of communication, we would just be so much more further forward, in my opinion. Like we would definitely feel more of a unit rather than this kind of separation that we're seeing, especially on social media and in the media. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally agree. There is a little exercise. Maybe somebody can do it in their personal life. I really love it. It's called a different perspective, and when you have a person whom you really hate or with whom you have really big fights, just try to speak for three or five minutes from their point of view and try and really to get from what the person is saying to why, what are the values they're attached. You know, I, I've done this exercise several times for my personal life. And every time I was able to get closer to the person. Because I think, again, if you stay only on this what level, I mean, it's not solvable. No. You are not able to move anywhere from there. Because I say that the sun goes uh, up on that side and you say on another. I mean, it's like, you know, this perspective of, so if you have six like for, if you stay from one side, you see it nine and from another one, six. And you can stay ages on these spots and this person will still see nine and this person will still see six. Mm -hmm. So there is no point on arguing about this, but like going deep and try to really understand what are the values attached. That's so important. I think that's all. I love that exercise that you just said. And for anybody listening, so a lot of the women who I work with and a lot of the women in my community, you know, we do a lot of work around, for example, triggers and mm. kind of working through these difficult emotions or situations or getting out of the head and back into the body. And oftentimes we'll make jokes about, you know, these situations where if you're in a relationship or a marriage or something and your partner you've got into a bit of an argument and what often happens is that you know you'll storm into the other room and straight away you're thinking in your head not about the instance that just happened 
but of all the things that your partner has ever done to annoy you. So it's no longer about this one incident. It's now about everything. And so it's building and building and building inside of you and you're getting more and more angry. And all of a sudden, this person who you love very much is the worst person in the world to you for a few minutes. And I think that that exercise could really come in handy. Yeah, like in times of conflict or disagreement with, you know, like anybody, but with a significant other in, in these instances of like, okay, let us even see if we can swap roles here, reverse roles for a moment, even do a little role play together if they're open to it. And like, okay, I'll be you, you be me. Let's try and have this out. And by the end of it, you are probably both going to be laughing because it's funny to role play if, you, if you're not an actor. But also as well, you're then like making their point for them. And you're getting to understand and feel because when you're role playing as well, like you were to do this together, like it's hard not to to kind of get into the emotion and to really... Because again, when you're role-playing, you want to do good at what you're doing. So you're you're in that process, you're understanding them, you're making their point for them, and you're kind of diffusing the tension a bit as well at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And it's interesting when you were talking about relationship, and I think here there is another thing that comes to play, which is assumptions. And that's something that is so useful to work with, even at the stage when it's not conflict yet, but to prevent the conflict. So, you know, like I, I also write about it in my Instagram based on the situations I have with my husband. And we had a case, so I wanted to tell him something that was very exciting for me. And I said, okay, can I tell you? And he's like, yeah. And then I'm telling like all in the moment. And then I see he's on laptop. And immediately in my mind is like, okay, he's on laptop. It means he's not listening to me. And, you know, maybe like two years ago, I would not even say anything. I would just stand up and how you said in your previous example, go to another room. And I would be like, okay, but he's like, he's never listening to me. So I think first, noticing this assumption coming to you. Second, saying it out loud to check it. Because you always need to keep in mind that assumption is assumption. You never know 100% what is in the head of another person. Even if it's a person with whom you live together for, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 years. Because you're both evolving all the time. And what happened? So I told him, you know, I have an assumption right now that you are not listening to me because you're looking at your laptop. And he's like, no, I'm really listening to you. Like the things I'm doing on laptop, they're so autopilot. They do not require any of my attention. And he just repeated my like two last sentences. And there was no conflict. And it could be like very easily arise from what happened. Absolutely. One story that actually popped into my head as you were saying that, which again, just kind of like reinforces that, like never to assume. I remember my, actually one of my coach, my coaching teachers told me this story about she was at a wedding 
And while she was at this wedding, all evening, this woman who she didn't know she had never met before, this woman looked beautiful, but this woman kept staring at her all evening at the wedding. And so she asked one of her friends, like, who is that woman? And she said, oh, it's a friend of this person. And all night she was feeling like really uncomfortable because this woman kept staring and staring at her. And this woman was then turning around and talking to her friends and they were all turning around to look at her. And so she felt really uncomfortable. She considered going home. She was really upset about it. And then eventually, like several hours into the, the wedding at the kind of after part, she went into the bathroom and she saw when she went in there that this woman was there with her friends. So she put her head down, goes into the cubicle. And when she came out to wash her hands, the woman turned around and she came over, grabbed her by the hands and said, by the way, you look absolutely beautiful. That dress that you have got on is the nicest dress I've ever seen. And it looks perfect on you. And so my teacher just burst out laughing because all night she had ruined her own night. It wasn't this woman had ruined her night. She had ruined her own night by believing these assumptions that were actually the opposite of truth. Whereas if she had a, which she does now, but if she had about the time, like had that awareness to say, okay, well, do I know if that that's actually what she's saying or thinking? No, of course I don't. I can't hear all the way across the room. Then she could have just enjoyed her evening or the rest of the night. But because she had got herself so worked up about it, it was such a shock when the woman was like, oh, you look so beautiful, you know. And I think that's such a good example because we've all done stuff like that at some point. And I think also if to fantasize about your example even more, you know, if she would have not only awareness, but also the courage at that specific moment to actually come and start the conversation, you never know. I mean, you, maybe it would be just a very interesting conversation for both. Maybe it even could turn in friendship. Like you never know. Like this this moment was an opportunity to actually build something more beautiful out of sitting and really ruining yourself. But I agree. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to work with it, but I think awareness is the first step on, uh, on this journey. And what you said there about it's an opportunity to build something beautiful, like in, in our relationships, you know, it's the perfect opportunity to create more intimacy because when you're able to kind of voice, like, this is what I'm feeling right now. Is this correct? Or is that not actually what's happening? Or this is what I'm getting here. Can you explain if that's correct? Or what is it you're feeling from your side? Like, whether you're right, wrong, whether you agree, disagree, like that conversation is going to help you understand each other at a deeper level. But also that conversation is going to allow you to get what you want 
out of the situation and in the relationship rather than just kind of keeping quiet all the time and then being frustrated that it's not working. Exactly. And I think as well, the conflicts of fights in relationship, you can look at them as fights, but you can look at them as opportunities to actually bring your relationship on a new level. Because if the way you... I mean, if you're just shouting on each other and then go in different rooms, then yeah, maybe it's not the uh, best way. But if you use the conflict as bringing more values out of each other, as having more deep conversation about where you both want to see your relationship going, then it's just, yeah, it's opportunity to make it even stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much within that, like what we've talked about, that not only yeah. I'm just recognizing so much of it along my own path and my own experience, but also as well, just so much that I'm passionate about. As I said, like, you know, communication just fascinates me. It's something that I've always found so interesting. And the same with relationship building, you know, including the relationship with the self. Um, so for those who are listening, like, is there anything else maybe other than what we've discussed that has like really helped you on your journey? Or is there anything else that like you think that these women who maybe are in a situation where maybe they're in one of those relationships where they're experiencing the conflict, or maybe they're in that stage that we discussed in the beginning of like feeling burnt out or lost or stuck, is there anything that you want to share around that? Well, it's a bit difficult to give kind of a universal yes, uh, advice. I'm really for, putting you on the spot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For everything in the world. But um, I think it's important to stay in sync with yourself. And it's never too late to start. I think that would be my main yeah. go to and not being afraid to explore yourself and also just maybe coming back to what we where we started in the beginning if you don't know yourself if you are not noticing your own experience in every specific moment how can you notice what other person is experiencing if you are not honoring yourself how you can honor another person Absolutely. If you are not welcoming everything, how you can allow another person welcoming everything? So yeah, it's 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 all starts with us. And coming back also to what you said about um, in coaching, but I think that's true for life. We are creative, resourceful, and whole, and we do not need fixing. We are all different by by nature, but we all like the head that created problems have the answers for them. Wow. And they're not the same as for everyone. Yeah, I think that's so important to recognize. Often I I used to get people asking me, like, you know, my very defined process, like step by step, what did you do to heal your autoimmune disease or to do this or to do this and I, I always explain to them like what worked for me doesn't necessarily mean that it'll work for you like that's not 
what I do. I don't prescribe a step-by-step process. In actual fact, I, I help you to find the process that works for you because we all have that healer within us. We all have that, you know, amazing relationship builder within us. We all have these different abilities. It's just about actually getting to know ourselves on a deeper level and then finding, as you said, finding the courage to actually put these things into practice, what we're learning about ourselves, like to ask for our needs to be met, to communicate what we want, to communicate and ask when we have these biases, cognitive biases or distortions that are coming up of saying, you know, assuming that that's what they're thinking, like finding the courage to actually speak about that. And as you said perfectly, which I think a lot of women are afraid to do, to leave a conversation or a situation where it's not working or where it's draining you. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. That was such an amazing conversation. Um, And I know that the women in my community are going to really love this and definitely want to connect with you more. So could you just share a little bit about for anybody who's listening, if they want to find you afterwards and connect with you, where can they go to do that? And I will also put your links in the bio to this. Okay. Yeah. So basically they can uh, find me on Instagram. So on Instagram, I share my thoughts about what we discussed today, what is the practical application of all things you can do and real examples from life. So it's Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. Yeah, just my name there. I'll share the links. I'll be really happy to have to have you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. It was Bye. such a pleasure. It really was. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.